Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a second to talk about our new sponsor, one of my favorite brands, Beam. If you follow me on Instagram, you guys already know about this incredible CBD brand that I use daily. But if you don't, let me give you a little bit of information. So I was very wary to enter into the CBD space a while ago, but I did a ton of research and this brand is no freaking joke. They are third-party tested, full spectrum, no THC CBD. You can get the tincture, which I use daily, or the salve or the bars, all available on their website, beamtlc.com. Plus, Freckled Foodie 15 gets you 15% off the entire website. Hi friends, I'm here at Samsung 837 in the heart of the meatpacking and I am joined by someone who knows me from like way, way back, way back, um, a dear friend of mine, Kiva Dickinson, who is co-founder of Selva Ventures. Welcome Kiva. How you doing? Thank you. Great. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, so for a little background for everyone before we dive into you and my questions, um, we actually grew up together in Princeton, New Jersey went to Johnson Park Elementary. If anyone's listening who also happened to have gone there, please tell us. Um, and then when did you move to Canada? I left when I was nine years old. Okay. Uh, in 2000. So we were young. Yeah, we were really young. young. End of grade three. Okay. So we only had, oh, wow. So we were yeah. only together like kindergarten through third grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you were really good friends with Drew. We were in like the same group yeah. of friends. And I and, lived on Joe's street. Yeah, right. So he lived on the same street as my husband, Joe. Um, and then... We basically, like, at that age, obviously, technology and social media wasn't a thing, so we lost touch. But at one point, we, like, Facebook friended each other, and it was my birthday, I think. You got notified that it was my birthday. You, like, went yeah. to happy birthday, and you saw, at this time, I had just left J.P. Morgan. So I was, like, pasting freckled foodie everywhere. Like, everyone know what's up and go follow me. Um, and so you reached out. You were in kind of, like, well, you were at Circle Up at that point? Yeah, I was at Circle Up. Expo East was coming up, yeah. and uh, it was just always cool to to see anybody who was kind of entering the space that I was yeah. a part of, and so. And I remember we hopped on a call and we talked for like an hour about all the brands and like what we were thinking, and it was an amazing conversation. And then since then, we've bounced ideas off of each other for a while now. I guess that was like a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and now you're doing your own thing, which I'm so excited to talk about. So that's your background, yeah, a la me. Um. We'll get more into the like business aspect of it all. Cool. But to kick things off, can you define success for us? <laughs> sure. Um, so I, I think of it as, as two pieces. One is uh, generally how happy you are, how fulfilled you mm-hmm. are. Um, and two is how you impact people, how many people yeah. you impact and, and the quality of impact you have on them. And I think... Uh, they're related for mm-hmm, sure, definitely. more so for some than others. But I think, I think interestingly, I've, I've listened to different episodes that you've run. Mm-hmm. You talk about how money factors into each of those, yeah. which I think is always really interesting. You know, there are a lot of things where uh, money can be sort of a scoreboard of success mm-hmm. in certain industries, some where much less so. Yep. I think interestingly on the piece of happiness and what I've come to find is I've taken a lot less money over the last years and uh, last yeah. couple of years and prioritize that more. Um, I find there's sort of an enough where you just don't think about it. Yes. There's and, like and past a level. that more is not as helpful, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I, I kind of find those two interrelated things are, are always top of mind for me. I agree. And I know there was a study. I forget what the actual number was, but I did hear about some study that they were saying there is like an X level salary where if you reach that, Money is you. You then feel protected, and mm-hmm. after that, money does not equate happiness. Totally. Obviously, financials do come into a level of happiness because mm-hmm. if you're constantly worrying about how you're going to pay for your home or your yeah. meals, yeah. you can't fully be happy. But I agree that there is that plateau level, yeah. and I do think it totally depends on every person mm-hmm. because it's whatever type of lifestyle you live and you want to be able to maintain without constantly thinking in the back of your mind, yep. "Can I afford this? Where's the next paycheck coming from?" Absolutely. Um. But I agree with the sense of fulfillment and helping others and affecting others in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both left our corporate jobs to, you know, take a bet on ourselves and try something new. And I can speak on behalf of myself. That was a huge financial cut. Massive. Mm-hmm. I'd say I probably make a quarter of what I left. 
Um, but I feel this level of fulfillment from helping people. You know, I get incredibly encouraging DMs that make my day. Yeah. And just knowing that I can help one person means a lot to me, whereas I felt like in my old job I was kind of just totally. a monkey in the ring of moving money between the same hands. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think I think it's it's funny to start thinking about what what you're doing where you're building an audience, you're mm-hmm. showing over time that you can have an impact on these various people's lives in different yeah. ways, various brands' lives in different ways, mm-hmm. who are also just kind of people like us who are making exactly. bets on themselves. Yeah. Um, I tend to find when you're doing that really well mm-hmm. and you're creating a lot of value for people, the money will follow over I time. I totally agree. And I, I recently have kind of tried to reassess the way I go about my business because I... I'm listening to Gabby Bernstein's The Soul Attractor. Um, I don't know that. It's, she's a motivational speaker, and it's, uh, I'm listening to an audiobook of her latest release. And she talks about people who are manic manifestors, mm-hmm. who they want to believe that they're putting things out in the universe and that they'll come true, but then they're doing everything in their control to control the result, sure. which is what I've been doing for the past year. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm all like, oh, good things follow, but then I sit there and I'm manically thinking about everything and reaching out just like to an extent of worriness, extent of worrisome that's not necessary. Right. Um, and I took a step back and I looked at, okay, what are like the most incredible things that have happened to me mm-hmm. with Freckled Foodie? And I think about things like, for instance, the Samsung partnership. A lot of the things that have been inf- so impactful on my business are not things that I sought out. A lot of them were inbound like requests or contacts or whatever it may be. And so it made me notice, yes, I can do all of the work to put myself in a position Mm -hmm. for brands or PR or whoever media to be aware of me, Mm -hmm. but I can't manically control my future. You got to be patient. I'm so not patient. Oh my God. I am really (laughs) impatient, Kiva. I'm trying so hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I mean, when you you make a bet on yourself like that, you want to see check marks along the road yeah. all the time, every week, every month. Mm-hmm. If you come from, you know, our, our world and, you know, I was in finance yeah. before just like you and you're used to these Instant gratification. sprints, constant sprints mm-hmm. where you can evaluate, you know, how did I do? What did I mess up? What was the yeah. feedback I got? Like, where am I? Where am I? What's mm-hmm. it going to be next time? And it's really hard sometimes to just say, I have a five to 10 year plan now. And I know that if I do the right thing every day, I'll mm-hmm. get there. But there's going to be periods of a year or two, especially, you know, when I make an investment in an early company and yep. know, like, yeah. there's going to be bumps on the road. It is not going to be a linear straight line mm-hmm. to success. You got to trust what you're doing. And I down totally the road, agree. it's going to be OK. Yes, 110 percent. I agree with you. And I think what I struggle with the most regarding that is that I don't necessarily have my five to 10 year plan Yeah. because I have no idea what. Sure. next month brings for me. Sure. And so when you take two of my anxiety triggers of like the fear of the unknown mm-hmm. and financials and then combine them into that, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh my God, it's a, it's mm-hmm. quite a cocktail. Um, but let's talk a little bit. You mentioned that you were in finance. So can you walk us through yeah. what your past jobs have been to whatever extent you feel like sharing, but yeah. you know, your quote unquote resume and a quick pitch of and now what you're doing. Yeah, so so I, I started out very similar to you working for a big investment bank. I was at I was mm-hmm. at Barclays, um, living in LA. And uh, after two years I left to join an investment firm called TPG, which was mm-hmm. in San Francisco. And there I did like a wide variety of things. We we're we we're buying big businesses, we we're investing uh, kind of early-ish in, in what you'd call like the growth stage of, mm-hmm. of businesses. And, and you know, over three years there, I was finding, you know, for one, I was really interested in consumer things, consumer retail, consumer experiences, mm-hmm. consumer-facing internet. And uh, in the world of consumer retail, we were investing in like Things like J. Crew and and Petco, mm-hmm. things that were really really big. First yeah, of like all, very well known. Yeah, we were in, we were investing out of a ten billion dollar fund, and that meant you had to write big checks, mm-hmm. and that meant big companies. Yep. And you know, throughout that, I was you know trying to take care of myself, going home every day, and stopping at Whole Foods on the way home, mm-hmm. and eating dinner, and looking around at all of these brands that were doing different things, and wasn't thinking that much of it until some of them started getting acquired. 
Yeah. And it's kind of a realization of work consumer investors. There are these interesting products like Buy and Kind Bar mm-hmm. that are like just scratching the surface on healthier things. Yeah. Um, but we can't act on it because we have to write Two hundred to three hundred million dollar checks, which are mm-hmm. bigger than those companies. Yeah, and so um, I looked around and, and actually found a company called Circle Up that was investing in this space. They were they were at the time creating a, a marketplace to help people invest, and they were just deciding to raise their own fund to invest. And so I joined them two years ago to basically say, you know, we're we're going to make investments in companies with less than twenty million dollars in sales. Mm-hmm. They're going to be largely better for you: food, beverage, personal care. And sometime in the past year or so, I started to look around and realize that a lot of my personal time on the job, mm-hmm. that like flexible time, was being spent with companies that were too early for us to invest in, mm-hmm. but that we were um, kind of tracking and that I had built a relationship with the founder because yeah. I was excited about what they were doing. But at the end of the day, I always had to tell them like, call me next year. Call me when mm-hmm. you're at a million in sales. Call me when you're at five million in sales. And that sucks. And I could be projecting this, but as someone who feels like, you know, when I was on the beginning of my Mm -hmm. freckled foodie, whatever, talking with brands and they're like, oh, you know, we'd love to work with you, but like, we can't right now. Like, you're not (laughs) big enough. Yep. And those are some of the brands I formed a relationship with those people. And yes, eventually I am now working with them, but it's still, you know that you're providing like a heartbreak. I know. I know. I know. I mean. (laughs) And you don't want to be. One of the hardest things in this is is you're only going to be good at being a venture capitalist if you're passionate and a believer and mm-hmm. can inspire this entrepreneur who's bet their life on something and hears no so often that you see their vision and you want to help yeah. make it a reality. And yet 95 to 99% of your job is to say no to people. Exactly. And that's And that hard. would be really hard. Yeah. I'd have a really yeah. hard time with that. Yeah. Now- Part of the question when you're making the decision of, you know, what would I like to do versus what is a reasonable entrepreneurial mm-hmm. venture is, um, is this just part of the job that's meant to suck, like telling yeah. no to these people, or is there another way? And I think what I started to find was many of those companies that I was saying no to in the early days mm-hmm. were hitting explosive levels of growth to the point where when yeah. it was time for them to call me, they, they didn't they because didn't they didn't need, need me. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I kind of said, well, if companies are proving something this early and I can spend time with them and help them through the early hurdles that mm-hmm. don't necessarily pertain to this amazing product and brand they created, but just yeah. how do you fundraise? How do you you know deal with investors? How do you deal with partnerships? How do mm-hmm. I think about you know should I sell at Whole Foods now or should I wait a year? Mm-hmm. Those kind of questions... Um, you know, I could I could play a, a, a role in their story and I could give them capital earlier to kind of make it make it happen sooner. So when did you decide I know, but for everyone else, <laughs> when did you decide to leave Circle Up to yeah. do your own thing with Selva? Yeah, so so I, I left this June. Um I, I remember it was it was an interesting day because it was the, the I'm left Princeton back in the day to move to Toronto, mm-hmm. became a big Toronto Raptors fan and we won the championship that day. So it was good a pretty good day for, for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I left in After June. After heartbreaking beating yeah. of the Sixers That's prior right. to that. That's right. You got us, that you got us last unnoticed. night, though. You got a little revenge last night. Um, yeah, I, I, I ultimately took the jump in June. Um, but I think it was one of those things that was lingering in my mind back to, I don't know, maybe, maybe January, maybe before then. I mean... Mm-hmm. One of the other things when you're when your job is every day talking to these passionate entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. and dealing with people like you who have oh, made you. bets on yourself, I mean it's it's like, you know, hey, I want to do that too. It's inspiring you know? to be surrounded by yeah. these types of people. Yeah, hundred percent. So you know, par- part of it was I had I had a fiance. I needed to make sure that this was a responsible decision mm-hmm. and not just a passionate decision. I had yeah. to talk to a whole lot of people and tell, you know, have them tell me why not. And, and, you know, figure out, like, is this pressure tested enough to take the leap? And I think once I hit May or June, it was kind of time. And yeah. so made the jump, got set up pretty recently, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're kind of up and running now. It's amazing. I'm yeah. so excited to watch you grow and to watch this all come to fruition. Thank you. And it's, I, 
it's interesting because I was a guest on a podcast that recorded last night, um, and they were having me explain my career path and how I left and stuff. And it's something I get questioned a lot, and I wish there was some, like, secret sauce recipe of how I figured out it was time to leave and how I went about that. But can you talk a little bit about the process of making the decision to eventually leave to place a better, like what mm-hmm. went into that? Because I can say from my point of view and my perspective on myself, um, you know, it was something I had thought about, but I had kind of given up on the idea, interestingly yeah. enough. And it wasn't until my accident that like everything got put into perspective and mm-hmm. I don't wish that upon anyone. So my story is hard to relate to because I'm like, oh, well, I got hit by a car. Yeah. Um, but I do think that something that maybe isn't discussed as much is like the financial aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like I sat down with Joe, we were engaged at the time, and looked at our financials and assessed how many months I could go living the way I live right now without making any money. Mm -hmm. And like that was carving out a portion of our savings. Like, okay, I'm okay losing this amount just to try and start this. But, you know, taking risk, in today's day and age, a lot of people are replacing bets on themselves and it's fucking awesome. But I do think there's this weird underlying pressure of, oh, you have to find what you love and you have to go chase it and do it. And yes, obviously, if you know what you want to do and it has to do with something that you're so passionate about, you should try and make it possible as much as you can. Yeah. But there are benefits to working in a corporate job. And I do think that there's a big privilege that comes with risk that's not discussed. Yeah. Like I was able to take that risk because I come from a privileged place of you know, I didn't have student loans to pay off, so I was able to save my money. Mm-hmm. I made good money that I was then able to save. Um, not everyone can do these things. So what tangible pieces of advice or lessons would you say you've learned? And obviously yours totally. has been very recent, but yeah, yeah. so far. A, a, a ton of lessons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the first that was something that... Uh, Somebody on How I Built This said this mm-hmm. like two years ago. And it's podcast. always stuck with me, um, which is, uh, w- first of all, what's risky is is very different from what's scary. Mm-hmm. And quite often, like, the riskiest thing is the least scary and the scariest yeah. thing is the least risky. It's and, very true. And, and by that, I mean, if you're doing something that you're unhappy with mm-hmm. and you're on a path to it never getting better, then it's an incredibly big risk to stay on that path. Yeah. And and yet staying on the path is often the least scary thing to do. Yes. And, and if I look at yeah. mine, it's like, you know, my biggest fear is failure. Right. And to not fail, I could yeah. have just stayed at JP Morgan and that's exactly. not at all. Exactly. Whereas like failures are good. I mean, if I think back on any anything that happened in my career, like mm-hmm. it, it it very rarely went exactly according to plan Never. you know and yeah. so it, it's often just like jumping around and testing things and figuring out mm-hmm. quickly what's wrong and and frankly like learning lessons that nobody else got to learn because they mm-hmm. didn't put themselves out there yep. can often make you unique um and so i think i think that was a big piece of it which was which was you know don't think about what's scary think about what's risky and mm-hmm. now like you know, now that I'm thinking, you know, what's risky? Like, what does risk mean? And mm-hmm. this was something that, like, um, I've talked to you a bit about Chantel, my fiance, but she yeah. she like pushes me really hard on on all these kind of you know life decisions and has like been an a, amazing supporter in all of this. Um, but we tried to like unpack it into uh, what will this mean financially for us in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Like, we just got engaged. We have to plan a wedding. Yeah, you know, we. It's a lot. There's there's a lot going on Why there. Why did we both you know? choose to do this during I, I know, the year of our engagement? Exactly, exactly. Um, but then the other the other question was, what would happen if if it failed? Mm-hmm. Um, like, would I be able to get a job? Would I be able yes. to get a different job? You know, and and so I had to go out and and basically convince her as like as like the devil's advocate that mm-hmm. like these two things worked. And yeah. if they worked, then we'd be in together and do it. And so I just started talking to whoever I could who had like left their finance jobs, not when they were 40 and had this amazing track record, mm-hmm. but when they were, you know, somewhere between 25 and 30 and were yeah. just like kind of on the precipice of their career. And and I talked to all these people to figure out like, 
how did you make it work financially? How did you like, how did you know when it was feasible? How did you, how did you think about what would happen if you failed? Like, who do you think would interview you, whatever? And, and you separately just got comfortable enough on each of those things. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's a very emotional decision. Very. But being able to like bucket it into these little Mm -hmm. compartments, compartments and little problems to evaluate whether you can solve it, it just makes it easier to harness and not no, feel I like totally this agree. giant rock that you're trying to push up. And I think that's the thing when it's all together, it's mm-hmm. so overwhelming. Right. And there's always going to be, a, there's never going to be a concrete, oh, this will work. Right. So there's always going to be fear in that decision. Mm-hmm. And it's assessing whether the fear is worth, whether you can maintain, handle the fear and the outcome is worth it. Right. You know, and I did the same thing. I thought about, okay, if this fails, like, the corporate world is not going anywhere. Yeah. I know I have a great education. Mm-hmm. I have a, like good tangible assets. I yeah. can find another job. Yeah. Um, so now just has to be the time that I try I th- this. I think there's actually something that I discovered there, and you've probably found this too, though, which is where I thought trying to go back at it, if let's say I invested for a few years, mm-hmm. the companies didn't, well, didn't do well, and I couldn't fundraise again, there, there was a question to me of, of like, what would the interviews be like and who would mm-hmm. want to interview me? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I had thought of it as like it would, it would be worse and coming out of maybe two to three months of talking to anyone I could who had done anything like mm-hmm. this, I came around to thinking actually that I would have an easier job. And maybe that's naive and maybe that's something that yeah. I tell myself. But like before I did this, I defined myself by – what school did I go to? What What's bank did GBA? I work at? What, yeah. what private equity firm did I work at? Whatever. And now you come to realize like what I've done has much fewer people who look exactly like me. Mm-hmm. And as such, I have different unique insights that I could bring to the fold. I could say I started a business. I could say I was part of a failing business. You learn exactly. lessons from failing business. You set yourself so, aside. Yeah, I, I think in all of that, there there just comes these insights. And I think you probably find the same things that like what you've learned over mm-hmm. the course of one to two years is so much valuable than, so much more valuable than a set of credentials that you could set up in the first few 100%. years. 100%. And I've thought I similarly, you know, I rehearsed my I'm quitting speech <sighs> maybe 10 thousand times yeah wrote it out (laughs) i got in the office and nothing i wrote down was ever said it was like a two second Uh i broke down whatever similarly i've rehearsed my this fails how am i going to interview back in sales and trading or a different role or whatever it may be and i came to the realization if someone was interviewing me and i said you know i took a chance on myself I left the corporate industry because I really believed that I could do something. I said about it. It unfortunately did not work the way I had panned out. I really miss the team aspect. I miss the structure. I want to bring what I've learned to a company. Like what person would say, oh, nope, sorry, next person that's doing the same thing as everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I totally agree. And there was one other point that I wanted to say. Oh, what I've learned I constantly am thinking, what's next? What's mm-hmm. my future? Mm-hmm. Especially having Charlie has made me really question how this is going to continue when we eventually have children. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. I <laughs> have no fucking idea. And it was a rude awakening when I noticed I cannot, in fact, like do work at home and be a mother yeah. with Charlie. So I don't know how I would do that with a child. Um, but I'm never someone, I haven't like written off the idea of, you know, one day this might end and I go work for a company. I don't know what that would look like. But if anything, this experience, and it's been a year and a little over a year and a half, has been basically going to business school. Yeah. yeah. Like, totally. The the things that you've learned, and I'm sure you feel the way, same mm-hmm. way in just six months. Yeah. I've learned aspects of building a business that I never totally. even thought I would learn or thought I knew how to do. Yeah. One of the things you take for granted, I think, when you work at a big organization is just how many things are done for you effectively by experts. Totally. And so, like, you know, y- you might you might touch these different, you know, legal or operational mm-hmm. or accounting things and sort of understand them enough to just yeah. do your job. And now it's like... You're doing I, everything. I, I can't afford a lawyer. Oh, like, don't even get me started. Ma- ma- like, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I do you a know, great one if you want one, though. Cool. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I mean, you're, you're constantly 
digging for any advice, researching different things. And, and what I found actually is like half of my job now that I'm like up and running and talking to companies mm -hmm. comes back just like riding a bike. It's like what I was yeah. doing at Circle Up in, in partnering, building partnerships, giving advice, figuring out what themes I want to chase. The mm -hmm. other half is like completely drinking through a fire hose and totally. figuring out what building a business is like it's actually shaped the conversations that I have with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Like I, we're all doing I don't, the same thing. yeah, I don't have the same exact, like I've been in exactly your shoes, mm -hmm. but I certainly have been in their shoes much more so than I was a year ago. Yeah. And that gives you so much greater appreciation for how I people agree. deal with fear, how they deal with ambiguity, how they deal with like all of these different things that, um, can't get done in a day and mm -hmm. that you don't have any ability to delegate to. Yeah. So, and you similarly cool. have a baby that you're trying to grow yeah. as they do. Totally. And so totally. you get that. Like yep. you want to invest in companies where you fully believe in their product because 100%. you know what that feels like. 100%. And I mean, I think it's almost in the corporate industry, it, in most roles, you're like that last piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. yep. And then when you are the sole entrepreneur, you have to build the whole puzzle yourself. <laughs> yep. Whether it's like, the legal aspect, going through contracts. I mean, getting paid. Like, what is up with brands not paying on time? Like, <laughs> creating invoices. Invoice. It's just all so wild to me. I kind of know why, but yeah. yeah, I know. But oh my goodness. So, I totally agree. I would love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about Selva Ventures yep, and sure. what your goals are there and what you're looking at. Totally. Um, so. We are an investment firm that wants to uh, invest in and support brands that make their consumers' lives better. And that means largely investing in consumer brands in the food, beverage, wellness, and beauty space mm -hmm. with less than $10 million in sales. Uh, the way I see the, the universe of if I were a company trying to seek investment in one of those categories, you would mm -hmm. have... Um, some great consumer investors who don't typically invest very early and mm -hmm. often say that, call me when you're at X in sales. Yeah. You have some great early stage investors, um, many of them back in San Francisco where mm -hmm. I live, um, but they don't specialize in consumer. And of those that do both, quite often it's angel investors who started a big consumer brand and, yeah. and sold their company and now try to support entrepreneurs in, in a really effective and noble way. But quite often it's not their full-time job or they don't have the kind of resources and support to be able to be the kind of partner that these brands mm -hmm. would expect from a later investor. And so we're trying to uh, surround companies with resources, help, advice, support um, at a stage where that's really uncommon. Um, okay. and help get them to the next stage where they can really kind of take off and, and reach more people. I'm so excited because I love the fact that there are people like you who are trying to invest in these brands because, you know, I've been fortunate enough to talk with a ton of brands over the past year and a half from very, very small, yeah. like one to two people to massive companies. Um, and... There is something to be, you know, you go to these expo shows and yeah. it really puts things in perspective of yep. how many brands are out there. And also that's just a top layer because of how expensive it is to be at those shows. Right. And it takes a, you know, with brands, like there's a very large percentage of a chance that you might not make it. Yeah. And so to be able to give certain companies your backing and means for them to hopefully get ahead yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we text a lot about different brands and we can get into as deep as we want mm -hmm. on here as you mm -hmm. feel comfortable with. But can you talk about what you're seeing that excites you, whether it's brand specific or just general trends? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the you bring up Expo West, like it is overwhelming. Oh, right my God. Now. I'm not in, going this year. In, I can't, in a, in a, in a, in a <laughs> exciting way. I mean, it's it's like we joke as, as people in the space that it's like our Super Bowl because yeah. it's it's such a big event now. Um, but, you know, I, I would say with so much noise and, and just starting out and having me be the only purely full-time person on this, mm -hmm. we have to be really focused. And being focused means yep. being proactive. And so one of the first things that my partners and I did when, when we first started out was, was basically say, 
where are where are the trends or themes that we are mm-hmm. super excited about and that we firmly believe in and how do we get behind those trends yeah and and basically say for the next few years the bar to do anything else other than these trends that we believe in is super super high okay and so you know one of them is the way that people are being more thoughtful about how they consume energy mm-hmm. and that can be a lot of different ways there's there's people who are moving away from coffee to have less caffeine. Yeah. There are people who are moving away from coffee because of some of the ingredients that will surround coffee mm-hmm. in the drinks they have. There are people who are wanting to just have their coffee in a cleaner form and not yeah. have it so full of sugar and dairy. Um, and so, you know, in, in all of those, you could, you could be invested in a coffee alternative, in a matcha drink, in a healthier latte. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the framework of saying, you know, we believe in this better energy trend. Let's find different ways to invest behind it. Yeah. So um, the others are the way that people consume alcohol, I think, is one Huge. that you've talked about a lot. But Huge. one I'm super excited about. There's people drinking less. There's people drinking cleaner there's people drinking like lower abv when they drink yeah, there's people who so drinking excited. no alcohol when mm-hmm. other people are drinking around them there's so much innovation happening there and like i i feel like i could almost deploy a whole fund into different companies you playing that a different way like there's no question yeah and i think it's not only i mean obviously brands are doing it because there's a demand for it but yeah. when i talk about you know i cut back seriously on drinking I've started to drink a little bit more. I'm nowhere near what I used to be. Right. And I'm much more conscious of it, right. as you say. But when I talk about it, my community is very, a very large percentage of my audience and community is going through a similar thing. Totally. So it's, a, it's I agree, a massive trend that is yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. I think when, back when I was at TPG and, and you know, thanks to them, I, I learned a lot about just the way to, the way to like, divide your time in a situation mm-hmm. like this and the way to like build conviction on something and go chase it and block out the rest. We yeah. had this view in the consumer group and, and I had a I had a great mentor there, a guy named Michael Bannon, who's an advisor to us still. And and he he used to talk all about how people are moving away from buying things and towards buying experiences. Yes. And I think the next step in that, in in the kind of luxuries that that we think of as young people is buying wellness, meaning feeling better mm-hmm. and and taking care of yourself and figuring out ways to enjoy things that you can look forward to yeah. um, without paying the price for it the next day or the next month or the next yep. year. And so, you know, when I say we want to invest in brands that make people's lives better, that doesn't just mean healthier. Mm-hmm. It, it means uh, yeah. happier. It means, you know, more complete. And I mm-hmm. think... Um, it's no surprise to me that somebody like you that's really connected with the way that consumers are approaching all of these things mm-hmm. um, is getting into really thinking about things like how health, uh, how fitness and mindfulness fits into health yep. the same way that what we put in our body yeah. connects to health. I, they all totally 100% play a role in it. And I do think, you know, there was this movement back in, call it the 90s, but also like early 2000s where it's, Low, everything was about calories, yep. you know, and like low fat right. and just filling ourselves with shit that just wasn't yep. fat. Yep. Um, and then, and like the juice cleanses of the world. Mm-hmm. And then I think we hit a trend of just focusing so much on ingredients right. and the boot camps and mm-hmm. all of that. And I think now mindfulness is so big because yep. we've gone to such different ends of the spectrum where no matter what it's just consumed us too much and it's a mental game and there are too many people specifically i'll speak to females because i can relate to their mindset just so 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 weighed down by all of the thoughts that goes into everything especially when you think about like fitness it's like oh did i work out enough you know and like orthorexia is a very real thing and i think we're finally focused on Finding like that in between. Yep. Like not everything has to be perfect. Yep. You can still drink and let's just maybe drink a little bit of a better option. Mm-hmm. And, you know, happiness is a big part of that whole spectrum and it's finding things that make you happy. Yep. And like, for instance, ice cream. I know it's not the healthiest thing in the world, but I fucking love it. Totally. And it'll always be a part of my life because it makes yeah. me so happy. Yeah. But I just listened to to you talk to Ben. Oh, yeah. And, and – 
I mean, I think I think the insightful thing that that he said was, you know, you're not going to give up ice cream. You want amazing tasting ice cream, exactly. but you want to feel better later. Yeah. And and I think that 100%. that's kind of the movement that is happening extremely quickly away sometimes from the companies that were making uh, kind of a hack on ice cream with a little bit lower Don't calories. And, and, and frankly, <laughs> people are starting to realize like. I, I remember just two years ago when when you'd walk through Safeway and see people with like cartloads, mm-hmm. and now it's it's developing. Yeah, um, I mean, and- I'll say it because I don't care. But Halo Top <laughs> to me is like shit, and I've said it on my Instagram so many times. This is not your point of view; it's mine. But it was so big, and I I still I've only had one small bite of someone else's. I refuse to ever buy it. That to, that to me is like. Give me the real thing with good ingredients and let me be happy. I don't need to take every aspect of my life to like cut all these things out. Yep. The the thing that I think we constantly find as investors trying to make sense of all of this mm-hmm. is um, people chase one trend to another because they want a shortcut. They want... They want something easy. They want to benefit Everyone wants the from, yeah, and, and and they don't want to have to read so much literature and mm-hmm. talk to seven different doctors and nutritionists and naturopaths to figure out what they should do. Yeah. Um, frankly, a lot of what they consumed by way of content for the better chunk of their lives has, in one point or another, had holes in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was wrong completely. Maybe it had holes in it. I think the fat-free, low-fat idea is a yeah. great example of that. Mm-hmm. What we're now starting to find is just like approachability and easy to understand uh, content that can come from people like you. It can come from brands. Mm-hmm. Um, it means, at least in my seat, that the brands that I want to invest in need to stand for something in a way that yeah. make it really easy for a consumer to understand that like, I have a problem. This product is part of the solution. And yes, and to me to me that's, you know, whether it's I'm not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 not sleeping well maybe because I go to bed too late. Maybe it's cuz I'm, you know, scrolling Instagram for the 30 yeah. minutes before the lights go out. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that I had a coffee too late in the day. Maybe it's that I had a coffee at all. Mm-hmm. Being able to like triangulate what's the cause of this so that they feel better is pretty hard to do. Very hard. If a brand can come in and say, we get it. I had that problem. Mm-hmm. Here are some of the reasons why you might. You're yeah. not necessarily the same as me. Um, here's the way that our product can fit into this really complicated combination mm-hmm. of things that you do to help you feel better. And it's, here's how I can help you. Exactly. Which exactly. is huge. Yeah, solutions, exactly not just problems. Sa- yeah. yeah, and exactly. what you were saying in your definition of success, you know, if brands are going out there just to capitalize on a trend, I think it's very clear when brands come out and jump on any trend totally. to try and capitalize on it. Totally. And there's, I will not name the brand, but there's a brand I can think of who has a great initial product, but I think has kind of, gotten lost in their journey in the sense of they come out with a new quote unquote trendy type of product with every new thing that comes. Like yeah. when cauliflower became a thing, it jumped on that. Mm-hmm. With the mushroom, it jumped on that. And it's it's a little bit of like staying in your own lane, yeah. but also the authenticity of I'm doing this because I went through this or I saw my family member or yeah. I understand yeah. and here's how I can help you. Yeah. And I think that that really shows when brands are doing that. Yeah. Are there any specific brands that, whether you're investing or not, that you're just really excited about? Totally. I mean, I'm, that I'm, you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I'm a huge fan of of many. the 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 first investment that we're gonna make is into a company called Mudwater, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of had in mind as I was as I was just talking about the, yeah, the idea of, of of sleep. But but this is a this is a, a an instant tea product that is meant to provide an alternative to coffee and help mm. give you a variety of ingredients that are going to help make you feel as pos- as good as possible throughout the day. Yeah. Um, it has about a seventh of the caffeine of coffee. It's really easy to make. Um, mm. You just pour it into, into hot water and stir it up. 
Um, but what was what was really interesting as, as I learned more and, and got to know Shane and Paul, the founders, is um, they've included all of these ingredients that fall into the realm of, of nootropics and adaptogens mm-hmm. that I think are harder for people to, to understand and, and yeah. buy specifically for a, a, a distinct function. They've made them approachable. Which is All huge. within the lens of we're not just giving you decaf coffee. We're mm-hmm. giving you the best combination of things so that you can go kick ass today. And mm-hmm. by the way, when you are getting ready to go to sleep at the end of the night, you're not weighed down by the fact that your body didn't metabolize its caffeine properly. Mm-hmm. You can get the good night's sleep, wake up the next morning, and feel good again Do and it go all at over it. Again. So yeah. much of that is a ritual, and so much so of that much. is having the right ingredients. Mm-hmm. And I think they did not just say, here's this product, it's a combination of things, let's let's give it to, to people mm-hmm. and try and sell it. They came at it from a, people are over-caffeinated, people are under-sleeping, um, why is it hard to get off of this treadmill? Mm-hmm. It's hard because you need a ritual. It's hard because yeah. you need more than just subtraction. And so they figured out a way to take that entire thing and boil it into like, make this, feel good about it, and mm-hmm. you'll feel good for the rest of the day. I love that. I still need to try it. I know we've talked about this. I do mm-hmm. need to try it. Um, I think that's awesome. And I think we've discussed this, but I think there are certain trends that have caused products to come about. And I don't think those products will always, and this is, I'm not talking about mud water, but you know, I think the underlying trends that for instance, mud water is trying to help, like those trends are not going anywhere right? because people have trouble sleeping. Totally. People are fucking anxious and stressed. Yeah. You know, like those types of things, people want to feel better. Those trends aren't going anywhere. It's just finding the right brands that are adapting to those trends in the right way. Yeah. Which is hard. Yeah. And have staying power. I mean, I, yes. I think the financial model of a lot of these, there's a lot of cool things I see. There's a lot of things that I try. I, I love going to, mm-hmm. you know, Air One or Whole Foods. Oh and, my God, and I could live in Air and just, and just buying all these stuff to, to try. But what I think is valuable mm-hmm. is when you're able to like, own somebody's time of day or be somebody's go-to treat in a time where people are kind of looking for less in a lot of ways that they actually stick to, to Mm -hmm. just cut through the clutter and all the madness in our days. Um, Being able to solve those distinct problems and just be staples that people keep coming back to. Yeah. So whether it's the thing you have every morning or the thing that you have every day for lunch or the thing that you um, have as your kind of pick-me-up treat or the Mm -hmm. thing that you have right before bed, all of those are so valuable in that you constantly keep going back to it. And yes. you connect with the brand in a really meaningful way. And I also think there's this sense of ease. And I'll talk yep. to two brands that I'm working with that I love a lot and I have for a very long time. And both have been ones that I have actively pursued and wanted to work with for, I guess, the past like year or so. Yeah. Um, but Elmhurst, yeah. the They're nut great. milk, and like Simple Mills. For me, those are products... Yep that are capitalizing on a need for specific people mm-hmm. who either can't consume dairy or just would prefer not to consume dairy. Yep. And same with gluten. And for me, like I know I feel better when I'm not eating gluten and I'm limiting my dairy. Right. And yes, I know I can make my own nut milk, but I'm just fucking lazy. And to be able to give me a product that allows me to not have to do all those steps that is made with just the products of whatever oh, yeah. nut it is and yep. water, that is a win for me. And the Simple Mills, like the crackers are, I mean, amazing, but like the mixes for me provide an ease where I'm able to make things yep. that I know are as delicious as yep. a gluten version and I don't have to worry about the measuring of different flours. Like the mix is done. I'm obsessed with Simple Mills. Me and too. I, and I think obsessed. they they – had this incredible insight pretty early on that people were not going to people were not going to just chase macros and think about low carb this Mm -hmm. or or whatever It, it was going to be about ingredients and it was going to be about like i always think of as as nutrient density like yeah. you should in- consume the right amount of calories you should get the most out of them as possible totally and you should be able to have craveable things that that fit that profile yes. so like where a ton of people have decided to run like little kids on a soccer field chasing the ball towards mm-hmm. low carb diets um i think the folks like simple mills or mush who've, who've oh, been able to say well, you know have, how much I love mush. have high quality carbs there's yes. good carbs there's bad carbs there's good fat there's bad fat mm-hmm. but like 
if if you go for the goods of all of those, then you don't need to think yeah. about it as some ratio of macros that you're putting you in your body. You don't have to constantly be concerned about these numbers. Totally. totally. It's like someone, I said this on a panel I was on recently, and um, I think it was Carrie Glassman from The Nutritious Life who, I forget where I heard this. I did not create this. But if you're looking at the nutritional information mm-hmm. of a product and not the ingredients, you're basically buying a home without ever going inside. Yeah. You see totally. the exterior. Totally. And for all you know, you could walk into that house after you buy it and yeah. all of the walls could be molded, the floors could be uprooted, <laughs> and it's a shit show. Yeah. And that's what I think of going back to what we were talking about of like the halo top. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what that is to me. Yeah. Um, good thing halo top's never going to sponsor anything I do. But, <laughs> you know, I, I won't comment. <laughs> I think there's, there's a lot that more weight should always be in the ingredients. And that's why I believe in brands that are really putting that first. Yeah. So going back to you. Yep. What would you say your favorite characteristic is about yourself? That's hard. Um, I mean, I, I think going back to uh, going back to how I derive success or how I define success. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really like the fact that uh, I genuinely get happier mm-hmm. when I'm a part of other people's success. So the yes. the combination of like impact and it, I probably gave a self serving definition of success at the mm-hmm. at the beginning for yeah. that reason, but um, I think back to why I decided to do this as a whole, and mm-hmm. this I mean investing in early stage brands. I uh, I always liked mentoring people, mm-hmm. and I found that um, when I was in college, I liked helping younger students get into the business program. I liked mm-hmm. helping students get, you know, a job or an internship that they were looking for. And when I joined Barclays and then TPG, I took mm-hmm. a, a lead role in recruiting because I, I wanted a, a hand in helping high potential people achieve success. I actually found um, a whole lot more joy out of their success that I helped them achieve mm-hmm. than any of my own success that I had along the way. And so, you know, a big reason why I, I decided to do this was that I would be super, super motivated mm-hmm. and really love helping an entrepreneur who has so much passion about this one problem they want to solve and this solution yeah. that they've come up with, making that a reality. And I, I genuinely don't think I would be very good at this if I wasn't that way. I agree because it's what we were saying of like the long end goal if you didn't feel that level of success from helping others and that fulfillment, you know, you're not instantaneously instantaneously going to be feeling the financial benefits of this right. because you need the time for the companies to grow. Right. And that's what's allowing you to do this. And yeah. that's what's going to allow you to succeed. Yeah. Totally. So I love that. I love that you love to help people. I feel the same way. I, I really do love mentoring people. It, it makes me feel really good inside. Totally. Um, going back to food a bit and to close, could cool. you tell us what the three ways to your heart through food are? <sighs> I swear it's the hardest question. <laughs> a Hawaiian pizza. Really? What? Yeah. People think that's weird. And, and I, it's not I like love that's it. It's something weird. It's just I've never heard anyone like love it that much. Yeah. There's three people, me, my dad, and The Rock. And okay. if he's listening, which I'm sure he's oh, not, of course he, he is. He should, right? he sh- he should know. I'd, I'd split a Hawaiian pizza with him anytime. Is there a specific Hawaiian pizza place? I, you know, it, I feel like part of all. it's part of it's sentimental. Like my dad and yeah. I would would whenever like my mom was out of town or working late, mm-hmm. like that'd be our thing. We'd order Hawaiian pizza from Pizza Pizza, which. Yeah. Uh, in Toronto is like not the best. You probably yeah. passed by. I actually by it. think there was one it's like the equivalent of our, Domino's. <laughs> I really think that's where Joe got a piece of pizza across from our hotel. Yeah, where yeah. we were staying. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's like clearly a sentimental thing. We had some friends that we yeah. brought to Toronto recently for the wedding in town. American friends were like, "You got excited about this pizza," but for me, <laughs> it's it's great. Um, is it pineapple and ham? Pineapple and ham. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, we were in Hawaii a, a 
few months ago um and we tried like proper hawaiian pizza and it, it was definitely better than pizza pizza so okay, that may have good. been the best i've had <laughs> um, peanut butter ice cream would be yes, would uh, be the second one do you have a favorite brand that makes that um i'm 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 all over the place on that okay yeah um i had the one from Ample Mills, like right around the corner yeah. yesterday, and that was up there. So it's really pl- good. plug to them. They're they're great. You should also try Jenny's salted oh, peanut butter chocolate true, chip. True, true. I've heard mm, that before. My God. I've heard that before. So good. Um, number three, probably like a really good burger. Mm-hmm. There's like a few places in in San Francisco that yeah. that I like love going to. Um, that's definitely like my treat meal. For sure, good. For sure, and Chantel's not the biggest pizza fan, and so Burt Burger has kind of become a lot more prominent for for our treat meals. Oh my god, I love a good burger. That's one of mine too. Cool. Oh, the best. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you. So much fun. I'm a so happy that like I know it was so long ago. Now I feel like we've. I remember. I remember. But like, I'm so grateful that we did reconnect because you've been an amazing mentor but also colleague of sorts to have in this space yeah, partner so, yeah that's the word i'm looking for thank you um i wish you and selva the best of luck and everything is there something that you want people to follow like um i didn't ask that's you that. a good question they can they can go to my <laughs> website selvaventures.com yeah. they can go to my instagram which i try and and show what i'm into it's it's at keevster k-i-v-s-t-e-r okay that'll all be um, in the show notes but I, I probably got to figure out like an actual firm well instagram. i don't know if like for, maybe know, maybe maybe PCs not have, haven't decided I yet have, yeah i think i think if you're going to do it you have to do it well totally and i'm agree. not as good as you are so i i might just I keep it to my own I'm good. <laughs> um i can talk about myself i could not like make a curated feed yeah, for brands yeah, yeah. that's something i don't have um well thank you so much thank all you. of that will be in the show notes for everyone listening and let's go get some lunch sounds like a plan thank you Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.